0: It's Linnell Willingham on 1067 The Fan.
1: Good stuff as always here on this Wednesday night edition of Overtime. Youngest in Charge movement, Linnell Willingham, riding with it till 945 before we dish the rock to our coverage of Capitals Hockey. The fellas On the road tonight in Anaheim, taking on the Ducks. That one's set to face off at about 10 o'clock tonight. You can hear that right here on the fan. Right now, though, I want to take a trip out to the BetQL guest hotline. We'll take a trip all the way out to Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. That is where Jarrett Bailey joins us. Uh, You can catch some of his coverage of the NFL and USA Today and SINow.com. Jarrett, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Look, I'm already hip to you. Right, you are the hot take king, buddy. I seen some of your takes <laughs> during the season on the quarterback position in the league, so I knew when I had you on, man, I'd get your best stuff. So let's get it going.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, some people enjoy my takes, <laughs> others don't, but uh, you know that's uh, that's the way of the
1: business, I suppose. Look, it's bold, brother, man. I love it. Uh, you're obviously out there in Indianapolis at the scouting combine. I'll keep things local here to start off. The Washington Commanders, obviously. Uh, doing some big-time hunting down there at Indy. They're talking to potential, talking to agents about getting contracts done with their own. Uh, I also think, Jarrett, that they may be looking at the quarterback position despite what they say. Uh, Ron Rivera came out two days ago and said that Sam Howell is the QB1 going into camp, but they're going to bring in a veteran to compete with him. Uh, if you're Washington, what type of veteran options do you think they could be looking in to compete with Sam?
0: Well, it depends. I mean, that could all be lip service in terms of, you know, uh, the, the whole Sam Howe thing. Like, they could actually be in on, you know, the likes of Derek Carr, mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo. I hope not. Uh, but, if, but, but, but if they do believe that, you know, that they're going to give Sam Howe kind of the look they drafted him last year for a reason, I get that. So if they do genuinely believe that, that we can see them go the likes of maybe someone like a Jacoby Brissett, uh, who could push Howe throughout camp and could be a reliable guy if Sam Howe does go down, or if he underperforms. Right. Um, so someone of that manner, maybe even a Gardner Minshew, um, uh, if they wanted to bring back Taylor Heineke, uh, there's a litany of, uh, of directions that they could go. Um, but if, if Sam Howe is the guy that they want to to be the starter this season, um, then I can't see them going out and getting a guy though. I don't, I don't. I don't want to say challenge for the starting job well, per yeah, se. That, that's what we were but, talking
1: about before you got on. Is do we even? If you're Ron, does it make sense for you to bring in a guy who could potentially beat this kid out? Because that ends up yeah, being pie in your face. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, it, it, it's hard because you can't. And, and that in that situation, you
0: can't really have your cake and eat it too. Right. So. um If I'm if I'm the Commanders and I really believe in Sam Howell and want him to be the guy this season, then yeah, I mean I wouldn't be looking too uh, too hard into into who his backup will be. Although you know last season proved that you know the backup quarterback is as important as it is uh, as it's ever been. You know we've seen a lot of them, so it is an interesting situation uh, when it comes down to it for for Howell and the Commanders.
1: Jarrett, when you were doing your work on last year's QB class, what were your initial thoughts of Sam Howell? I know. Uh, he lost a couple of weapons entering that final season at UNC, but we saw him get unleashed as a runner in a way we hadn't seen before. Uh, what would you think of Sam coming out? I mean,
0: when you look at every class, you know, I think that people get a little bit too carried away when, you know, sometimes quarterback classes aren't going to be all that good. That's not to say that I don't think Hal has any sort of potential to be to be good. I, I liked Sam Hal. I think I probably liked him a little bit more than than most people did. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned he lost a lot of his weapons. He lost his two starting running backs. Uh, His offensive line wasn't very good. Um, So, yeah, I I think that losing all of that help uh, didn't – we saw a little bit of a drop-off in production from him in his final year at UNC, and I think that that had a lot to do with it. But, you know, a talented guy who's a little bit more athletic than people give him credit for. Um, And if put in a situation where he can succeed, he can make plays happen. Um, I do think it's a little bit – a little bit worrisome that the commanders are ready to just kind of give him the keys after one game against the Cowboys team that wasn't trying, but um, you know they, they've they had him around for a year now and they know, you know, things that we don't, obviously they see him in the building every day. We don't, and they see the work that he puts in. And obviously we don't see that either. So they see enough in him to, to at least give the lip service that they're going to move forward with him. And um, yeah, kudos to him. Um, I know that, you know, last year's class was, very divisive and polarizing, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, uh, I think that he, he's in a good spot where they have a lot of good weapons um, and McLaurin and Dotson and Brian Robinson um, and they can focus this offseason on getting a little bit better up front. So if they can do that, plus the defense is pretty solid still uh, they just put the franchise tag on Deron Payne. So, I mean, that's another piece that'll be sticking around. Um, yeah. I mean, if they can keep, if they can keep, keep these pieces around him and keep the offensive line uh, or make the offensive line a little bit better Then, yeah, he's, he's put in position to succeed. It just, it it becomes on him at that point.
1: I totally agree with you, Jared. And I think a lot of folks here locally feel that way. It's not really all about what Sam Howell is as a talent. It's what this uh, coaching staff is able to do in insulating the talent around him. Uh, The veteran quarterback market is interesting though. We know Derek Carr is making his rounds out there in Indianapolis, meeting with several different teams when you look at the overall veteran quarterback landscape, uh what do you kind of foresee happening here with guys in some potential landing spots?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's um it could get even bigger coming uh this coming Tuesday because that's the uh the deadline for yeah. uh team, yeah. for teams to use the uh, franchise tag and obviously Lamar Jackson is the one that everybody's kind of keeping an eye on. Um, you know, I asked Eric DaCosta about it today. And, um, you know, he, he kind of told us what he's been telling us. <laughs> and, you know, it's a lot of, you know, what well, we're trying, we're working on it and whatnot. He wouldn't go too far into specifics, but. Um, it would not surprise me whatsoever if uh, Lamar Jackson kind of added to this whole uh, veteran quarterback pool in terms of trade uh, because if they can't get a long-term deal done, I just don't see a world where he would play on the tag in Baltimore. Um, But outside of that, I mean, you brought up Derek Carr. He's scheduled to meet with uh, the Panthers personnel down here in Indianapolis. Um, So that'll take place at some point this week. He's already met with the Jets, and they spoke really highly of him. Uh, uh both as a player and as a person um so <laughs> right. now it kind of comes down to all right what Aaron Rodgers gonna do and at this and you know, i was talking to somebody about it today where they're like look if, if, if you're the packers he doesn't have a no trade clause like why not just just say you know what we're making your decision for you yeah. we're trading you because we're band tired band of on, this right? entire side show and we're just going to move forward i'm surprised that they haven't because yeah. Frankly, after this, this is like a whole like two year thing at this point, where he's making this whole sideshow more or less about him. And yeah, I mean, if you are the likes of Joe you know, Broidy, Dutton, Koonston, everybody in the Packers front office, yeah, you've got to be a little tired of it. So I'm surprised that they have been so just yeah. like, yeah, we'll let it see, we'll, we'll see what happens and let it play out. But um, I, I do think that that is that's a relationship that will be ending and um, it just becomes a uh, situation or it just Aaron and retire or does he say yeah I want to go to the Jets or I want to go to the Raiders um, so yeah the uh, this is as deep of a potential veteran quarterback you know in terms of trades and free agency this is as deep as you know a, a group that i can remember uh, guys being available so it'll be a uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of complexions of teams changing here in the next month or so once the free agency gets going and new league year starts where guys can get traded we're going to see you know teams who think that they're a quarterback away potentially see that goal achieved
1: we're joined right now by jared bailey who was out at the nfl scouting combine in indianapolis make sure you give him a follow on twitter at Jay Bailey NFL to make sure you tune in uh, to the Pump Fake No Knows podcast. Buddy, I wanted to ask you this as well. We, we talked about the quarterbacks, but I, I want to stay more on the quarterbacks here, specifically Rodgers. We just mentioned that situation a little bit. And mm-hmm. tearing the band aid off is kind of what I've alluded to that they should do. To me, though, man, the fact that they're willing to put up with this from Aaron Rodgers. Does it make you worry a little bit about just how well Jordan Love has been progressing cuz this is a first round quarterback Jared if you're the Packers you made some very serious financial commitments to Rodgers last year uh, to me I think it all speaks to the fact that maybe Jordan Love just isn't who they thought he was
0: Yeah and I, you know not only did they did they draft Jordan Love in the first round they traded back into the yeah, first round draft So So um no I mean that said, I mean, all of the reports coming out of Green Bay is that, you know, they like the progression they've seen from Jordan Love over the last calendar year. Um, you know, they – I think that part of drafting Love is the fact that they knew that Aaron Rodgers was still, you know, had the ability to to put up the numbers that he has and they didn't necessarily have to rush into Jordan Love. They saw the right. potential and they were willing to kind of wait it out. Um, and at this point, if they are comfortable with him going into his third season as being the starter – then, you know, then we'll just have to see what happens because, you know, the talk of Green Bay last season was, okay, they do not have the weapons to help Aaron Rodgers. Now Christian Watson came into his own in the last, you know, month and a half, two months of the season. Um, But they need to severely address uh, the weapons that Jordan Love will have at his disposal if that is what happens in terms of him being the starting quarterback. Um, But, yeah, I I think that they, they went that route knowing that Okay, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and we still think that we still have a few good years of him left and we can use those years to help advance Jordan Love and when the time comes we can hand the reins over. So, um all signs point to them being pretty comfortable with Jordan Love. It's just a matter of okay, can they um you know, can they give him the the tools to succeed?
1: Jared, uh I want to take a big picture look here at the National Football League. We got a couple of uh new head coaches in, in new different places here. Which of these new coaches that have been hired do you think are primed best for early success?
0: I really like the Frank Reich hiring in Carolina. Uh, it's a roster that was already, you know, really solid. They're just kind of a quarterback away. Um, I wouldn't expect them to go the route of Carson Wentz. I think that Frank Reich is probably having Vietnam flashbacks just at the mention right. of that. Um but, no, they are a team that I do think, like, you look at the division that they play in the NFC South, it is incredibly weak, especially at the quarterback position. And uh, when, uh, you know, just became public a few days ago that the Buccaneers said that they're pretty confident in Kyle Trask being their <laughs> starter going forward. So, I mean, you look at that division as of right now in terms of their quarterbacks, it's Desmond Ritter, Kyle Trask. Um, I guess right now the Panthers would have P.J. Walker or Matt Corral, whom they drafted last year. Um, and then for the Saints, uh, Taysom Hill, maybe like there's. a yeah. <laughs> really. It is a it is a bad division in terms of quarterbacks. That overall roster played to. I mean, it was the worst right. division in football last year. Um, so they add not just Frank Reich. I mean, the staff that he has built ha- is incredible. They bring over Evero the defensive coordinator from Denver. Um, mm-hmm. so that that was a great hire in itself, and they've added a ton of really good former players uh, at their uh, at, as position coaches and whatnot, different coordinators. So I love that hiring uh, and the staff that he's built. Now it's just a matter of, all right, can they get the quarterback to put in place? And, you know, if they get the quarterback and nobody else really upgrades, then it's their division to lose. So yeah. love, the, love the Frank Reich hiring and the staff that he's built. Now it's just, all right, let's get the signal caller and uh, let's make a run at the division title.
1: I know Derek Carr has been rumored as the favorite there in Carolina, uh, but, Some mock drafts have them selecting a rookie quarterback. What do you think of this class overall as far as is it top-heavy, and do you think there's a chance for a team like Washington to potentially get some value uh, in the later rounds with a developmental guy? Yeah, you know, um, the
0: thing I tell everybody every year is that, you know, for the most part, we see on average like three, maybe four guys that get talked about a ton. More than likely, maybe one of them will be – like a star maybe for the most part they'll kind of top out as being an above average to good quarterback and then a few of them will be on different teams and at least one of them won't be won't be very very good at all in terms of this class man like uh, the most polarizing guy is anthony richardson because of how athletic he is and his ability to make plays with his feet he's kind of raw when it comes to to his pocket play and look everybody listening to this Somebody's going to tweet a, a clip of me, a clip at me of him throwing up really pretty pass from the pocket, and that's great. And that's not to say that he's never made a good pocket pass, but you can find five or six great throws from any quarterback in the history of football. It's what happens between those good plays that kind of define who they are. Right now he's still really raw from the pocket, and whether you want to hear that or not, that's what it is. Um, so he needs to get better at that, but the, the potential in him alone is, is going to drive somebody – to probably take him a little bit higher than than is warranted. Now, if he's sitting there <laughs> when the Commanders select at, at 16, I would be very shocked if they don't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the list service is on Sam Howell. Yeah. If he's available, that seems like a very Commanders thing to do—is to be like, "Yep, what the hell, we'll take him," uh, just because off potential alone. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of the rest of them, I know that you know Bryce Young. Like, I saw somebody tweet today. Like, he was he. He walked into the convention center today.
1: Oh, it was so. It was so.
0: <laughs> yeah, and somebody tweeted, "You know what? If I was his agent, I would just hire two like five foot five guys to walk <laughs> next to him at all times." This is ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, he is a smaller guy. I, I don't really care about that too much, though. Like, we already went through all of this a few years ago with Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray's been fine. I that's not to, to say that Bryce Young's going to be as good as Kyler Murray, but you know, just the, all of the, the height stuff and whatnot. Right. I don't really buy into that too much, especially in this day and age when quarterbacks are extremely protected, especially from inside the pocket. So um, I think that, you know, you look at Bryce Young, I think he'll be good. Um, I think that Will Levis – I know a lot of people hate on Will Levis. I like Will Levis. I think that he has a lot of potential too. Um, CJ Stroud, uh, I think that somebody said that Stroud reminds him a lot of uh, Jared Goff, which, I mean Mm – when, when given help, I, I think Jared Goff had a really good year last year. So, it, it you know, there's, like I said, I don't think that there's going to be a superstar in this class. I think that, you know, if you look at Young or p- potentially Richardson, if he puts all the pieces together, can be really good. But I don't, you know, I don't think there's, you know, a transcendent talent in this class. And by the way, that's okay. There's not going to exactly. be a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow or a Trevor Lawrence in every single draft class. Exactly. It's just not going to happen. Uh, And I think that people having their expectations that high kind of put a damper on things. I think that all four of the main guys in this class can be, have the potential to be really good. Now math tells us and history tells us that not all of them will be, but there's, there's potential in all
1: four of them. All right, Jared, man, continue to enjoy yourself out in Indy, man. We'll keep it posted on your Twitter page for all the latest out at the combine, buddy. Appreciate you.
0: Hey buddy. I appreciate you having me on.
1: That is Jarrett Bailey. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at JBaileyNFL. Plenty of good nuggets uh, in my conversation with Jarrett. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll start peeking ahead at some of the rookie quarterbacks in Washington in, in this NFL draft class and who potentially makes sense as a fit uh, here in Washington. All that and more next on The Fan.
0: It's Linnell Willingham on 106.7 The Fan.
1: Big thanks to Jarrett Bailey for joining us. He was live out in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine, giving us the latest NFL news and notes and all the big rumors coming out of Indianapolis. What do I call it? The player circle for all the agents, coaches, GMs, executives are coming together, trying to start talking a little bit early on some of the deals that may end up getting done uh, about 13 days from now. is when the official start of free agency uh, is set to happen and Talking to Jarrett, man, it got me thinking. We've been talking about the Washington Commanders and their quarterback situation pretty much for the last hour. And after talking to Jarrett, I'm kind of in the same boat. I really do believe that in order for Sam Howell to have the best chance for success next year, they got to bring in a complete scrub of a veteran quarterback. And I don't want to make it seem that way. Like we're just trying to give Sam Howell the job. But damn it, just give him the job. Why are we we playing around with this? You identified a guy that you believe has the traits to be a starting quarterback in this league. Let him go do his thing. I'm done with the retread veterans at the quarterback position. No Derek Carr. No Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I can't handle an option like that. Carson Wentz. And what he did to me last year, first of all, the fact that they're even letting me on these airwaves is, shout out to our program director. I was the main one last year, man. Young, dumb, and stupid. All horned up for our big trade acquisition at the quarterback position, Carson Wentz. I remember even going out on a limb and saying, man, our skill position guys are so good, he can have an MVP type of season. Give me a damn break. We're, we're, The fact that we couldn't even get league average player quarterback from him last year, it probably shoots down a lot of my credibility when it comes to talking quarterbacks. I know I was the same guy that was drinking all the Kool-Aid and leading the Howl Hive. I get it. I know y'all probably tired of hearing me give quarterback takes, but please, if I got one more saving grace, Sam Howl, if we had cameras in studio right now, I'm getting ready to, got my hands together, I'm getting ready to get on my damn knees, please let Sam Howl be it. That's all I want. That's all I want in this life. Look, I've been through a lot in my life. A lot of trials and tribulations. I'm not the most financially stable guy in the world. I've been through some things to get to this position that I'm in. Lord, if you're out there listening, all I want is for Sam Howe to be the guy moving forward for Washington. That's it. I don't care if we win seven games next year. Hell, I don't even care if we make the playoffs. As long as Sam Howe shows he's the long-term option at quarterback for this team moving forward. To me, that's all that really matters. But when talking to Jarrett, kind of got my brain churning a little bit, right? I know we've talked about the veteran options that Washington has at the quarterback position. But Jarrett's out there in Indianapolis at the Combine and a couple quarterbacks I'm pretty interested in as well, man. This quarterback class, interesting, is how I'll describe it. A lot different, a lot more star-studded compared to the quarterback class that we saw last year, right? Based on some mock drafts that we've seen, there could be a potential of maybe four quarterbacks going in the first round of this draft. The marquee guys being Bryce Young from Alabama, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Will Levis from the University of Kentucky, and Anthony Richardson from Florida. Those aren't really the guys that I have on my list, though, when it comes to what Washington could potentially do at the quarterback position. Washington has the 16th pick in this year's draft. A lot of people projecting Washington to take a corner or an offensive tackle. Well, to me, man, based on how the draft board plays out, don't let one of these marquee guys fall to 16. And I'm being very specific with who I'm talking about, saying don't let him fall to 16. If Anthony Richardson somehow, some way, which seems like a pipe dream right now to some folks, if Anthony Richardson somehow falls to 16, I'd be really hard-pressed not to pull the trigger if I'm Washington. But Anthony Richardson isn't even the guy that I really want to pay attention to here when it comes to potential quarterback options for Washington. The guy who I'm really, really intrigued and enamored by is an SEC cat. It's not Anthony Richardson. It's not Will Levis. It's Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, man. This is a kid, tore his ACL last year, was lighting the damn college football world on fire, though, before the injury happened. This is a situation, man, where if I'm Washington, we're creeping toward the end of round one. The pick, the Chiefs, excuse me, have the final pick at the end of the first round. Boy, I'd be hard-pressed not to trade up back into the first round to get a Hendon Hooker, and here's why. I'm all for Sam Howell getting every opportunity to be the QB1. But damn it, the one thing we haven't thought about here locally what's the contingency plan if Sam Howell doesn't work. And I know they always say in life, if you have a plan B, damn it, your plan A ain't good enough. This is the National Football League, folks. People's lives are at stake here. People's families are in jeopardy with this. If Sam Howell doesn't work out for Washington, then what at the quarterback position? Because based off of how good this roster is, even if Sam Howell's not the guy, Washington, in their sleep, should win seven, eight games next year. And we all know how star-studded next year's quarterback class is. If you win seven, eight, nine games, which this roster no matter who's that quarterback is good enough to do, you're probably going to miss out on a Caleb Williams. Right? That's why if you're Washington, I understand this offseason is all about insulating the rest of the roster around Sam Howell. I get that. But a contingency plan must be thought of. And for me, maybe I'm not for trading up to get Hendon Hooker. Man, with that, that second... Round pick rolls around and Hendon Hooker's on the board, and you're Washington. How do you not? The physical tools are there. And if you're comparing the two guys as prospects, talking about Hendon Hooker and Sam Howe, if we're comparing the two guys as prospects, I love Sam Howell as much as the next guy. There's an argument to be made. Hendon Hooker clear cut the best prospect out of the two, right? When you look at Sam Howe playing ACC football and Hendon Hooker playing SEC ball. The level of competition was stronger for Hooker, right? The injury, though, I know was going to worry some people. And it worries me as well. But now that we know that Sam Howell is going to be the guy and we understand that a veteran option that we brought in, we went through some of the veteran options. What about some of the rookie quarterback options that Washington could bring in? Hendon Hooker intrigues me. Anthony Richardson intrigues me. But I understand with both of those guys, you're probably going to have to trade up to get them, right? You're probably going to have to move mountains to go up and get those two guys. But, man, I don't know. Some other guys in this in this class at the quarterback position, they intrigue me as well. A guy like Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, very interesting prospect. Tanner McKee from Stanford, a couple of second-round guys who could definitely – be draftable for you. Somebody that can come in here and compete with a Sam Howe. But moving forward, man, if you're Washington, I've been very, very adamant about this. Although I'm willing to hear the other options, like drafting a rookie, like signing a veteran, to me, the only responsible way for Washington to handle their quarterback room in 2023 is to have Sam Howe and a washed-up backup that really will be able to help Sam Howe mentally, but physically probably just doesn't have it anymore. Toby, you said it best, man. You can't have your pie and eat it, too, in this situation. If Sam Howe turns out to be the guy, I said I'm willing to build a statue of Ron Rivera. But Toby, what about if Sam Howe's not the guy?
2: It can happen possible. I mean, the thing is we've seen so many quarterbacks not be the guy. So I mean, we're used to that. We are used to it, but
1: you're right. I guess we are used to it.
2: My thing is when you look at Sam Howell, Mm -hmm. if everything goes right, Mm -hmm. and I know people will dismiss me for what I'm about to say here right away, but just hear me out. If best case scenario, everything works out and Sam Howell is the guy that people thought he was his sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Right, the guy that was going to be a first-round pick. Oh, easy here, Toby. You're good, right? You've got the quarterback, and you got two more years on a rookie deal. I mean, you want Ron Rivera to save his job, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you bring in Jacoby Brissett, you win eight, nine games. We've done that how many times in the last couple years? You win ten games with Sam Howell, and you're in the playoffs. Maybe you don't make a deep run this year, Mm -hmm. but you're looking at a deep run in future years. I mean, there's your chance right there if you're Ron Rivera to not just buy yourself the season after that, but multiple seasons because you're looking at Bingo. a chance at going for a deep playoff run. I know it's crazy talk because we're it's not, not. It's not.
1: It just, it just seems. Well, it seems crazy because
2: us in D.C., yeah. us fans, we look at it and say a deep playoff run. Last time we we felt like going into a season as fans, we felt like going into it we had a chance. Was what, 2012 with RG3? Yeah. And, and then and that, even team that one
1: was random <laughs> even
2: felt like like I don't want another year where it's like, sweet. We uh, we competed in the NFC East, you know, and you look at the last couple of years. Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl on a rookie deal. Jalen Hurts went to the Super Bowl on a rookie deal. Patrick Mahomes. The madness. That's the way to do it. Unless it you have Patrick, unless you have Tom Brady, unless you have one of those guys, you're probably going to have to go on a rookie deal. We just cleared 26, 26 million, million with Carson Wentz. And so that can go somewhere else because you're only paying Sam a couple mil.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with you, Toby. I think it's to the point, though, if you're Washington, you got to learn from your Kirk Cousins mistake. If Sam Howell goes out and balls this year, I'm extending him after the season. I'm not waiting. I'm doing all I can to ensure that we can continue to grow and develop this cat. Because the one thing that stings more than not having a franchise quarterback is seeing somebody that was formerly in your building and go out and have success elsewhere. That's what bothers me the most. Well, for Washington, man, 2023, this offseason, off to a slamming start. Love the hire of Eric Bieniemy, And I love the notion of going in with Sam Howe next year as the QB1. The rest of the work, though, is yet to be done. Got about 13 days until the start of free agency. Let's see what old Riverboat Company I end up doing. I hear in this offseason. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll switch gears. We'll talk a little bit of DC family. The Washington Wizards picked up a huge win last night on the road in the ATL. When we come back, we'll talk about it. Who are the real version of the Washington Wizards? I'll let you know next.
3: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.TV. Watch every out of market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
0: It's Linnell Willingham on 106.7 The Fan.
1: One final segment here on this Wednesday night edition of Overtime Youngs in charge movement Lanelle Willingham taking you up to 945 before we dish the rock to our coverage of Washington Capitals hockey. The fellas out west taking on the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, What's left of the Washington Capitals is out west. They've obviously purged a lot of their roster uh, here in the last 48 to 72 hours. Uh, Their roommate, though, at Capital One Arena, the Washington Wizards, they had a big win last night on the road in Hotlanta. Bradley Beal going nuclear once again. Uh, joining us right now on the BetQL Guest Hotline to discuss the big win last night is our buddy Chase Hughes. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. How does your How does your schedule work, Chase? Because last night I'm sure you had a pretty late night. It was a later start than usual, and then you're off tonight, and then tomorrow right back at it.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, Whatever the Wizards much, right? do, I do essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but the funny thing about being a beat writer is. Sometimes you don't know what your schedule is until, like, late the night before. Like, yeah. if they're going to have shoot-around or practice, you don't know. Like, I didn't think they are going to have practice today. It's actually, I've been covering the team seven years. I think it's only the second time that they've had practice the day after a road game that wasn't as close as, like, Philly or New York. Wow. I don't know why West Huntsville Jr. wanted to practice today, but they played in Atlanta last night, and this was a rare one. I was pretty shocked by it. You're trying to keep the momentum
1: going, man. A huge win last <laughs> night, 119-116. As we were welcoming you in, man, I was talking about Bradley Beal, and he is, he's is he been on one as of late, Chase. I mean, we were all talking about him and that hamstring and whether or not he was going to be able to stay healthy. And really, before the All-Star break, and now in the first couple of games out of the break, Bradley Beal, nuclear. Uh, last night, 17 of 30. He finishes with 37 points. If this Wizards team is going to make a push here in the second half of the season, do we need to see this version of Bradley Beal?
3: I think so. I think uh, recently what the Wizards have seen is how they hoped things would go this season, which is um, you put a lot of talent around Bradley Beal, specifically scoring depth, and basically they can ask him to do a little bit less throughout the game. He can play fewer minutes. He doesn't have to score 30 points a game. Uh, he can maybe be a little bit more selective with his shots and shoot higher percentages. But then once you get to late in the game, you ideally would see him be the separator between wins and losses. And lately he's been just that. You know, their last game before the All-Star break, he went off for 17 points in the fourth quarter against the Timberwolves, took that game over, gave them the win. And it was similar last game before the All-Star break, he went off for 17 points in the fourth quarter against the Timberwolves, took that game over, gave them the win. And it was similar last night in Atlanta. He had 12 points in the fourth quarter, hit two shots in the final 36 seconds, and combine that with a few nice defensive plays by Kyle Kuzma and Daniel Gafford, and they were able to get a big win on the road. So um, Bradley Beal, overall this season, it's like he's been good when he's been healthy, he shot high percentages. He's just had a little bit of trouble staying healthy. But early in the year, he had a lot of trouble late in games with turnovers. He's kind of cleaned those up. And now, um, you know, it's it's hard not to like what he's showing you late in games.
1: Yeah, it definitely has been encouraging, man, to see him go back to that 2024, man, really the – The the reason he got that $250 million is because his prowess as a scorer, man. And uh, with the addition of Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma, obviously there are are less shots to go around. But as you mentioned, the last few games, Bradley Beal uh, finding his touch offensively. I am still worried, though, Chase, about what version of the Washington Wizards are real. Because, yes, they won last night in Atlanta, but they dropped their first two coming out of the All-Star break and really had a disappointing loss on that Friday night against the Knicks. And one of the issues that, that troubled them against the Knicks, Chase, was their inability to finish out defensive possessions with the rebound. It's all good to, to, to play good on-ball defense, but when the shot goes up, you got to box out and grab the board. This team has struggled with that. Do you see them making any additions to the roster to try to help that? I saw they signed Jay Huff to a two-way deal today, but that wasn't the front-court depth I was expecting,
3: Chase. I don't think so. I mean, they do have uh, technically an open roster spot right now, so they could add somebody. But I don't foresee, even if they went that route, adding someone who would make a difference in the rotation. Um, I think what their rotation is is what it's going to be moving forward. Right now they're dealing with an injury to Monte Morris. He's now week to week. He received a pain injection in his back. So that's something to monitor right now. But Christoph Sporzingis is coming back tomorrow. And I I think – They like just the overall trajectory that they've seen going back to December 20th when they put Daniel Gafford in the starting lineup. Um, They've had a top-10 net rating in that span. It's been over a third of a season. So I think they feel pretty good about their overall trajectory. They've just been streaky all year. And you're right, they hadn't looked good coming out of the All-Star break, but they were a little bit banged up for two games without Porzingis and without Monte Morris. Getting Porzingis back is going to be huge. And, you know, they didn't look very good in the first half yesterday, specifically on offense. So I, I still want to see, you know, whether, how, how they can uh, fill the void for Monte Morris because he does a nice job setting everyone up. But I think the problems that we've seen from three-point shooting in particular recently will be helped tremendously just by getting Porzingis back.
1: Chase, I want to go – I know I got long-winded in my question there, but I really was, was trying to ask, like, what is the solution to this team rebounding the ball better defensively? Because that's something that is really – shown up really all year and it's proven to be costly.
3: Yeah, I mean their rebounding overall this year is um it, it's been about average. Um Avdia has has come along very well lately as for, as a rebounder. Uh Porzingis isn't a big-time rebounder, but you know, he he's decent at it. D- Daniel Gafford and Taj Gibson are good at boxing out. Um so collectively I think they're just kind of an average rebounding team, and you have seen them struggle in some games with giving up second-chance points. I, I think it was probably a bit of an outlier against the New York Knicks just because of Mitchell Robinson right. and Julius Randle and the, the physical style of play. Um, that that was just a tough matchup for the Wizards, and certainly if they got into a postseason matchup with a team like that, then that would be a key to the game. But um, overall, I, I think it, it's been... But they've been about average, and and I think the reason why they've been about average is because they've been inconsistent, so it has fluctuated. So you see nights like uh, against the Knicks, Um, but they they won the rebounding margin last night against Atlanta. Danny Obdi had 13 boards, Um, so I think it's just about them kind of doing things as a team. Um, Daniel Gafford is top five in the league in box outs for 36 minutes, so when he clears the runway, it's going to be up to guys like Kyle Kuzma, and Denny Obdia to go get the rebound. And, you know, it's funny, one thing on that note, I asked Wes Sunsell Jr. today about Denny Abdia's rebounding, and he said that he sees it as kind of an incentive for Kuzma and Denny Obdia uh, to go get the rebound because they know that they have the green light to take right. the ball up the floor. So it's like not only are you going to get the defensive rebound, you're completing the defensive possession, but then you get rewarded by having the possession begin with the ball in your hand. So it's interesting how those two things can work together.
1: Talking to Chase Hughes, who covers the Washington Wizards for NBC Sports Washington. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, uh, Chase Hughes, NBCS. Bradley Beal gets a lot of the shine, and Kyle Kuzma gets a lot of the shine for the win last night, 37 points and 28 points respectively. But Daniel Gafford, uh, posting his ninth double-double of the season, 13 points, 12 boards, three blocks, and we saw him affect a litany of others. How refreshing is it to see him start to come into his zone and The team being rewarded by giving him that contract extension last offseason. You mentioned uh, the team's net rating since uh, December 20th when he was inserted into the starting lineup. Uh, Do you expect Daniel Gafford to continue to get better as the season moves on?
3: I do because I think they found a great role for him. And, you know, first on last night's win, he had one of the biggest plays of the game. He blocked Trey Young. Kyle Kuzma also yeah. blocked Trey Young, and those two plays uh, were pivotal because the Wizards had come back from down 10. They took the lead, and it was pretty tenuous. They had to get some big stops, and that was one of them. Um, but Daniel Gaffer, I think they found a great role for him. Um, you know, his role has changed a lot since he's been here, and there have been times where I thought that he was best suited as sort of a backup center because um, then his skill set gets to shine against other backup centers and particularly on the offensive end. you know, He, he really had thrived at times. Um, but you can also see when he's in the second unit and he doesn't have a point guard who can set him up, how his offense can really fade away. Yeah. And I think when he's in the starting lineup, there's just less asked of him. And so he can produce more in a way because he's out there. He doesn't have to be the only guy protecting the rim because he's out there with Chris Porzingis. So those two guys can work in tandem. And then offensively, he's the fifth option on the court, essentially. And he's got four guys who are pretty gifted passers, Monte Morris, does a great job setting people up, uh, and with Daniel Gafford and pick and rolls, uh, Kyle Kuzma is a really good passer for his size. Bradley Beal is uh, their lead; he's the leader on the team in assists. And Christoph Porzingis is a pretty decent passer as well. And just generally, with all those guys on the court, there's a lot of space for Daniel Gafford to just clean up around the rim because obviously you got three 20-point scores, but also Monté Morris shoots over 40 percent from three. So yeah. if Daniel Gafford's your fifth option. I mean, he's he's going to get some pretty easy baskets, and I think that's why you see he's number two in the league in field goal percentage with a percentage that's so high that it's going to rank among the highest in NBA <laughs> history if yeah. he carries it across this whole season.
1: Yeah, I believe I saw last time I checked, he was up over 75%. Chase, that is <laughs> <Yeah>. insane. <laughs> so right. clearly, clearly Daniel Gafford, uh, the beneficiary of playing with some very skilled passes, like you said. You mentioned Monte Morris. He uh Say that again. You said he got a back injection?
3: He got an epidural injection, Ooh. with which uh, a lot of people out there, when they hear that word, <laughs> understand that that's generally a type of shot you get for uh, you're about to give birth to a child. Yeah. I mean, basically what it means is a shot in your back. It's not the same thing that a, you know, a woman gets when they're in the hospital, but it's a pretty uncomfortable procedure and um, definitely takes it to another level than we expected this injury to go. Um, It was interesting today, you know, he had missed two straight games, and the last game before that, he had been in the locker when he came out, he had padding on his lower back, and he's been in and out of the lineup over the past month or so with this injury, so it's been clear he's been playing through it. Um, But I asked Wes Until Jr. today about Monte Morris, and he said that he was headed for additional testing, and that basically he just hadn't responded to treatment and rest. So they went to, uh, obviously, uh, a a different step with this and gave him a, a pain relief shot that um, now has him week to week. I mean, he tweeted that he'll be back soon, um, but it, it definitely, I think, gives us an indication at a minimum that he was in some pretty real discomfort and playing through it in recent games.
1: Yeah, man, obviously uh, the good thing for the Wizards is Kendrick Nunn stepped up, Jordan Goodwin's played well, and DeLone Wright, we know what he's brought to this team. So Washington able to you know, weather the storm, so to speak, while Monty Moore is against that lower back healthy, man. Should be in a, a second exciting half. Excuse me. Second. Wow. Exciting second half of the season,
3: Chase.
1: <laughs> Woo! Look, it's the last segment, buddy. So give me a break. <laughs> a very, very exciting uh, second half of the season coming up, Chase. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely,
3: man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Woof.
1: Man, maybe Chase makes me nervous, man. Chase is not, not a bad looking dude, man. So he makes a lot of people nervous, I'm assuming. Uh, the Wizards, though, man, it's interesting. They play. The Toronto Raptors tomorrow night. They'll play them two games back to back, both at home. Uh, and the Raptors, one of those teams that Washington's jockeying uh, for playoff positioning for uh, in, in the Eastern Conference right now. The Monte Morris injury kind of concerns me a little bit. I'm not going to lie, not because of the other depth that Washington has at point guard. That's that's not the issue. It's just his ability to steady this offense, and he's really. Proving himself to be the best setup man that the Washington Wizards have right now. So he's currently listed as week to week after getting an epidural. Hopefully he comes back sooner, you know, rather than later. But if not, Jordan Goodwin going to have to step up. Kendrick Nunn going to have to step up. DeLone Wright going to have to step up. And the $250 million man Bradley Bill, is going to have to step up as well. That's going to do it, though, here for this Wednesday night edition of Overtime. I'm going to give a big shout out to our guest for joining the show, Jarrett Bailey uh, who covers the National Football League. He was out in India at the Combine. Uh, he gave us some of his time. And then Chase Hughes, NBC Sports Washington, giving us some of his time as well. want to thank you all for your calls. Greatly appreciated. it. want to thank super producer Toby Altizer in studio, making sure the show runs smoothly. And then I want to thank myself for being great to you guys. Uh, that's going to do it, though, here for this Wednesday night edition of Overtime. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. Caps and Ducks is next.